welcome back to the podcast. I'm the host of this movie podcast, Andre Hutchins, and you guys are listening to our monthly episode of What's Hot with Life of Films. Life of Films is a movie blog and website owned and operated by Simon Garner and Ryan Nevin all the way from the UK. On this monthly episode of What's Hot, Simon, Ryan, and I will discuss all the biggest movie news that is coming out of Hollywood in the month of November. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. What's Hot with Life of Films. All right, well, gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. Sai, how's it going? Very well, very well. How are you, mate? I'm doing well. Ryan, how are you, sir? Very good, thank you. Very good. Hey, Simon, happy birthday to your daughter. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, she's uh, 10, double figures. <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy, man. You've got a 10-year-old. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> Scary, mate. I've, I've got a dog. That's what I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, hey, well, thanks for stepping away from uh, just a, a little bit of family time tonight just to do this recording. Appreciate it. No, nah, no problem. She's off to bed, so she's had a good day. Okay, well, gentlemen, we are. Um, we it, it is Monday, start of a new week, and here in the United States, we just got done celebrating our. Thanksgiving holiday. So, um, in line with this theme, I wanted to ask you guys a couple questions. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Okay, very good, very good. So, okay, so I wanted to start off by this, just because obviously there are going to be holidays that are celebrated in the UK that we don't celebrate here. So tell me me one, maybe of your favorite or unique holidays that the UK celebrates that the United States does not. Ryan, why don't you go first? Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's, that's, um, no, okay. We've got we lay claim to that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a holiday that you celebrate. A holiday that we celebrate the that you don't in the States. Yeah. Um, um I don't I don't know actually. I thought you I um I've got one, I think. Okay, let's uh, hear it, Sai. I'm, I think I've got obviously bonfire night, Guy Fawkes. Oh, that is a good one. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. hold on. Say that again. Well, it's sort of Guy Fawkes night, bonfire night, firework night. Uh, uh, when, when when is it celebrated? What day and what? What I guess what is its purpose? Remember, remember the fifth of November. <laughs> wait, hold on, hold on. There, there's more to that, but right? I don't know it. Okay. Have you not heard this? No, no, no. I mean, I know, I know that quote from V for Vendetta, but outside of the movie, I did not know that that was a thing. Well, Sai's going to treat you to a lovely story, and the rest of the people in the in the states. Okay, let's yeah. hear it, Simon. Well, I don't, I don't really. Obviously, we've seen V for Vendetta and things like that, but it's about the foiled gunpowder plot and uh, Guy Fawkes and his band of men um, blowing up the Houses of Parliament or attempting to. And the funny, actually, on that subject, there's an actual a B, the BBC over here um, just did a really good three-part series with Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones um, called gunpowder so that that you know you'll you'll be able to get hold of that over there and that's actually goes into it really well so check that out so wait when did this happen though when when, when was this uh, this oh, day in history the 5th, the 5th of november oh, and yeah. it's like a long long time ago like 16, a long time ago 1600s i think 1605 yeah. okay so is this celebrated as some 
as I guess a sort of um, I, I don't want to say Independence Day just because I mean e even now even now you know the, the, I, I guess the United Kingdom is still ruled by by um, I guess royalty. by royalty yeah I mean even yeah. though there is Parliament and things like that so I, I, I guess it what I, what would you classify it as does that make sense well it, it was kind of really when we were like you don't see it as much now all you tend to see now is a big bonfire so a big pile of wood and you know off, you know old wood and thing timber and things like that and it just they light it and it burns and then they also light fireworks at the same time and everyone and goes they make and, a little ah. they make a little guy forks as well don't they like yeah you don't see crow. that as much anymore though do you it's weird like it's sort of moved away a little bit it's more about the fireworks but the whole yeah like core of it was the whole Guy Fawkes sort of um, what's the word effigy. Oh, well, the you're saying like the equivalent. What's the equivalent? And I would say the equivalent, Andre, is probably. Oh, it's. It, I, I think Independence Day has got a bit more importance <laughs> to you guys over there because we don't exactly like. I don't know. It's not something where we like come together or anything. It's just right. the fact that it's a it's it's a it's a monumental thing that happened in our history, yeah. and so yeah. therefore it's something that is like you said uh, has a parliament. If there was planned to be destroyed, and, like what well, the effects that would have had on um, on England and stuff. So it's just to like just remember that that day that it it literally almost happened. The closest that's ever been. So yeah. I mean, so then that's where uh, obviously that's where the movie V for Vendetta takes its inspirations from. Then, yeah. See, because I never that's knew right. that. That's fascinating. I, that's great, man. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Tell me one more time the name of the holiday. What is it? Uh, well, bonfire night, stroke Guy Fawkes night, really. Okay. Nice, man. Nice. No, I like it. I like that. So, I mean, you guys just celebrated that just uh, just earlier this month in a few weeks yes, ago. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice, yeah, yeah. nice. Well done. Okay, so my next question was going to be this, though. All right. So, and and honestly, <laughs> there's maybe only like two or three, maybe that yeah, holidays here in the U.S. that uh, we celebrate that the U.K. does not. So I was going to ask you if there was an, like an American holiday that you guys were aware of that you wish you guys would celebrate in the in the U.K. But obviously, the only ones that like the, here in the United States that we celebrate. That you guys don't all—they're all like uh, oriented around like American history and things like that. <laughs> you guys want to celebrate American Independence Day? <laughs> yeah, of course we do. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> now and then we have Thanksgiving and things like that. And again, that's that's more. I mean that that you know that's a holiday that has its origins even before you know the the uh, I guess Independence Day in the U.S. or you know, over a hundred years before the U S was even founded or anything like that. But do we, um, um you, do you celebrate, um, uh, Memorial day? Is the, like, because we wear like the poppies, don't we? So si? that's something that's, that's right. quite yeah. unique to us here. I don't think you guys. Day, yeah. 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 So, yeah, day, yeah. So yeah. And, it, and it's, I guess it's similar to veterans day as well. Cause we have, we have a Memorial day and we have a vet, uh, veterans day. Um, Memorial Day is a federal holiday, so the entire country gets gets a day off of work for Memorial Day. But Veterans Day is um, it's not specifically a federal holiday. It, it, I, I'm, if you work in government um, or anything like that, then you do get the day off for Veterans Day, um, if that makes sense. But yeah, they're very similar holidays, and we do have a Memorial Day, and it's celebrated the last. Um, it is the last Monday in May. 
Well, so actually, it's funny that you've asked this. Actually, Andreas, it's come. It's just come to me that something something fairly big has happened. That's quite unique to to the um, to the in- to England side. So, do you know what it is that I'm talking about? That's happened today. I do. It's been announced today. Yeah. Yeah, where us Brits have joined forces with you, Americans. Andre, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I have no idea. This is breaking news for me. This is big news. This is big news. You are yep. going to have your. You are going to have someone from America as part of the English royalty. Oh, yeah, that's right. I think I just saw a clip this morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meghan Markle is is marrying Prince Harry. Okay, okay. I, I know. I only saw a picture, so I don't know who she is. What's her name? It's, I can never pronounce her name properly. It's Meghan Markle, isn't it? What's it? Meghan? Meghan Markle, yeah. Now, yeah she, Meghan is Markle, she a person yeah. that you guys are familiar with? Because, I mean, her name doesn't ring a bell at all. She's in Suits. It's a big show that I love quite a lot, and Cycle watches it and enjoys it quite a bit. Have you not seen Suits? No. I don't so... think it's... Just, it's an American show that I think is a lot bigger over here than it is over there. Oh, interesting. No, I, I had no idea. Now, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe Prince Harry... Uh, Found her in Vegas, you know, when he had his incident in Vegas. Is that is that is that maybe? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't like to say. I think it was he was, he was talking about it. Funnily enough, uh, there was a, like an interview they had. Uh, Sky News had an exclusive with them. I think it was the first interview. I think he mentioned it being some form of like they were set up, like it was some sort like like they were almost introduced to each other. I didn't catch um, yeah. all of it. I saw a clip, yeah. so they were sort of introduced. No, oh, that's that, that's fascinating, man. You know what? Uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, conspiracy theorists out, uh, theorists out here in the United States that are they're going to think that this is going to be uh, the UK's attempt to establish royal rule back over America. That's what's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Christ, I don't think it'd start with Prince Harry. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I also don't think that it'd start with an American actress. Yeah, but see, it's going to yeah, be subtle. It's, not... it's subtle, though. You go for the younger brother first and then work your way up, right? <laughs> Will's taken, Wait, say that again, Si? Will's, Will's taken. He's, uh, yeah. he's Will's, Will's happily happily married. He's got a lovely family. Two kids. Is she on for a third now? I think oh, she's oh, pregnant. Mental, yeah. 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 yeah, I think you're pregnant. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> now that is, that is breaking news well done backseat directors and life of films breaking news across the pond on both <laughs> Spread sides the word it <laughs> <laughs> first all right gentlemen well uh yeah happy holidays to anyone that, who's listening obviously we just had the thanksgiving season here in the u.s and now we're going to be moving on to christmas it's a great time of year and yeah let's go ahead and move on to our main section and portion of the podcast and that is our big movie news Big movie news. Okay, Simon and Ryan, uh, as as per usual and the trend of our big movie news and topics that we discuss on this episode, uh, we have a lot of uh, Disney slash Lucasfilm slash Star Wars news to to uh, to announce. So um, I, I'm going to go ahead and just jump into this. And you know, I, I know a lot of our listeners are probably thinking that we only talk about Star Wars, but Ryan, you and I were just talking right before we started recording that, you know, Star Wars is the biggest box office draw uh, today. I mean, they they produce the 
biggest box office numbers and therefore they they really do command the headlines and so when any type of news comes out it's pretty big but this this has got to be some of the biggest news though i think that has come out recently at least in the last few months regarding star wars so um on oh, now let, i want to pull up i just want to make sure i got my dates right so yeah so it was at the very beginning of november november 9th star wars announced that the director of the last jedi who is ryan johnson that he will be helming uh, the the creation and production of a new Star Wars trilogy that is going to take place after this trilogy ends, the trilogy with Ray, uh, Finn, and Poe Dameron, um, and it's going to be it's going to be a trilogy that takes place outside of the Skywalker saga, and so he's going to be uh, I, I I believe directing writing and directing the first one. I don't know if he's going to be writing or directing the after that but he is going to be you know really creating this new this new story this new saga and uh i just want to know what do you guys think about this what do you guys first first what do you think of ryan johnson and him being um you know uh tasked with this this uh this new uh trilogy creation and the fact that it's not going to involve um the skywalker family which which is going to be something new because all well soon to be nine saga films have always dealt with the Skywalker family. So what do you guys think of this, Simon? Why don't you go first? Um, well, when I first when I first saw it, I think I, I sort of slung news across in a message to Rye real quick, and we sort of we were both a bit like, "Are oh, you joking?" sort of thing. So there was an, in, an instant reaction of kind of like um really sort of but you know i think it's it from my reaction upon having chance to like properly digest it i think i would i would say it brings in um a lot of scope really it depends what he does because i was reading um it was on enemy i think and he said um so yeah so this was an article from enemy on the 23rd of november and a quote from johnson says i'm just in the very beginning of starting to come up with what the new trilogy is going to be so that that's quite vague really because it means he could be creating his own new characters but or is he going to draw on characters from other echelons of the of the universe now we've spoke before haven't we andre about rebels and things like that and right you know we're, we're big fans of that and you know seeing something like that on the big screen in, in in more would be appealing so my point is really initially i was a bit like really but depending on what he does with it, there's there's potential for for positives, I think. Yeah, and and just just a quote again from this article from Star Wars. So it said, it says that um, in shepherding this new trilogy, which is separate from the episodic Skywalker saga, Johnson will introduce new characters from a corner of the galaxy that Star Wars lore has never before explored. So Ryan, tell me what you think about that, man. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Um, I think I was—I've kind of sat and thought about what it could do, and it's—it sent me back to that conversation that we had before um, Andre on and recorded on the on the show about doing something way b- before the Skywalker family like even existed. And I think they should do something along those lines. And I think, like, like you say, we say it hasn't hasn't been done before hasn't uh hasn't been discovered or whatever that i think that's something that would be would be really really good so it's kind of 
yeah, it's not directly involving the Skywalkers, but gives you more of a background in regards to the Jedi and stuff like that. So that's something that I've been um, would hope that they do. But um, but I, I don't really know what I don't really know what to think until I've seen the Last Jedi, to be honest, really. And because at this stage, I don't want to have a negative feeling to it because everyone knows I didn't like the Force Awakens. But I might like the Last Jedi and look at it more fondly. But if I end up not enjoying the Last Jedi like I didn't enjoy the Force Awakens, I I will be quite worried about this new this new trilogy that they do. Yeah, and see the the one thing that this tells me right now is that that Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm have so much faith in what Ryan Johnson has created with the Last Jedi that it is so good in their opinion that they they have given him the reins on something that has never been done in Star Wars before, and you, you know they. I mean, I, I'm I have no doubt that they are pleased with what J.J. Abrams did with The Force Awakens, even though you guys are not. <laughs> that's okay, <laughs> um, you know. And that they gave J.J. Abrams, you know, his chance to you know finish up his trilogy, even though he was not originally slated to be the director of Episode Nine. Um, but that you know that Ryan Johnson it will continue not not just as a Star Wars director but to create something that has never been done before and so i think i think that is the biggest news here that that uh, and, and i'm not trying to hype up the last jedi more than it is right now because <laughs> goodness knows we are all excited for this movie um but i just i think that they feel like they've struck gold with with Ryan Johnson and you know and what he was able to do with the last jedi so i mean so the question uh, yeah, the let's question I ask on that though Andre is that is that they do they like Ryan Johnson's creativity and how amazing is a director, or do they enjoy how much he does what they tell them to do, what tells him to do? <laughs> like, and I don't want to sound like really negative, but it's just like any sort of director they've come up against or anything that wants to seem like they wanted to try and take Star Wars into their own thing they've they've been instantly like no way and we've we've seen all the fallouts they've had and we've covered it several times on this on this show and is it is it because that they think that he's this amazing visionary director or is it because they know that they that he will do exactly what they tell him to do in the best way possible which for me isn't why for me that's not something that i think is is a is good to say I'm a big, big, massive fan of Christopher Nolan and stuff like that. And he earns the respect from studios and get, and in that and gets to do whatever he wants because they know that whatever he creates is amazing. And it just doesn't seem like Disney have that same approach with their directors. They even, they even feed that through into their Marvel. So if they've sacked a few over at Marvel as well, like Edgar Wright, for example, with Ant-Man, they, they don't like good directors. Edgar Wright is a brilliant director. Take him or leave him. He, he creates very unique films and is very good. And any director that seems to not do what they envision they end up firing so i i can't help but think is ryan johnson that good because he doesn't have much, much of a back thing looper's a good film don't you ryan joy looper he did that but yeah. is he is he as good as they're saying or is it just because he's just obedient no i it, and it could be a combination of both and this is something that we have discussed on the podcast regarding the brand that lucasfilm and like marvel studios own and operate and that that these studios do operate as, as you know more i would say more so for marvel studios as kind of a well-oiled machine that they are able to crank out these these movies that are quality um not necessarily unique because they all you know they all just kind of feel like the same after a while <laughs> do you guys do you guys like sushi <laughs> Do you guys eat sushi out there? <laughs> I do. I, I, I'm not a fan of sushi, but Sai loves it. Okay, Sai, maybe this, maybe, and I don't know if you if you can relate to this. So we actually just uh, 
<laughs> we just had sushi just the other day. And um, for me, my wife and I, we were talking about this, that, you know, after you have a few rolls, um, it, it all kind of starts to taste the same. It doesn't mean it's bad, but it doesn't matter that you get two different kinds of sushi rolls. They just kind of start to taste the same. You ever have that? <laughs> yeah, I think if you uh, this this is a hell of a tangent to go off on, isn't it? I think if you're uh, I think yeah. if you're talking about the um they're called are they called the California rolls? Is that are they the ones you're referring to? Oh well, just like, any yeah, just I mean any of the you know unique rolls that you know a sushi restaurant might make or anything like that. What but, is this conversation? Okay, well no, but I have a point. I have a point. Okay, have Ladies a point. and gentlemen, w- welcome to the backseat chefs. Yeah, no, yeah. Okay, but there's a point, Branching all right? Out. So. So I kind of feel the same way when it comes to to Marvel movies, and I hope this is not the case for Star Wars films, though. Marvel movies, even though they are quality and they are good movies, they they just kind of start to taste the same, if that makes sense. You know, I think I think Thor Ragnarok and even um, to an extent Guardians of the Galaxy have been so different from you know the uh, the formula that they have created with the other movies that you know they, they were they were fresher in my opinion, but. Um, but yeah, I, I think I know what you mean though, Ryan is or, uh, in that, you know, is Ryan Johnson just, you know, is he just kind of a good boy director that they pat on the head and say, well done for doing what we wanted you to do. I hope that's not the case. I think, I think he already held enough respect with, I think Looper, Looper is probably his, you know, his biggest film uh, that he's done before star Wars, but um, I don't know. I, and again, he it's wrote, probably... he, to be fair to him, he wrote Looper as well. So he yes. directed and wrote it. And Looper is, um, it's got like it's a very, very in, intricate story, but and it's a very, it's very good, and it all works, and it's very clever. So he's he's obviously got got the ability to write something very, very clever. So yeah, we'll give him credit on that. For I don't want to take anything away from him. We haven't seen the Last Jedi yet either. So yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, hey, it, it is big news. You know, the fact that we're going to get another trilogy that it's been someone announced already not necessarily a time frame on when these movies are going to get released but uh, you know and the fact that these are going to be stories uh, from you know star wars lore that we've never heard of before you know creatures and characters and and things like that you know i i, I my my only hope is this if they're going to do something like this and it's going to be you know new and big and bold keep to the main things that make star wars star wars meaning the force or Jedi and things like that. That is, that is what is unique to star Wars. Yeah. I think it's okay that you don't have the Skywalker family or anything like that, or the empire or the rebellion, you know, but that you maintain the roots of what makes star Wars, star Wars. And that is the force. So mm-hmm. uh, you guys, anything else on this topic? Um, I think, I just think really with regard to Ryan Johnson, I think I, I don't know if he's, um, his back catalogs big enough to give a really, um, well-rounded sort of assessment of him, um, like you say with Looper, he re- wrote and directed. So I suppose that's quite um, a good reflection because it's a good film. But I think with, um, I think it, he also directed uh, Ozymandias. It was a, that um, one of the high, really high-ranking episodes of Breaking Bad um, of the last season. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So he's got he's got quite a scope of sort of different. Um, different aspects if you know he's got different you can move to different universes or different styles if you like so i suppose that speaks volumes but like you say i think he needs to hopefully they stick to the to the foundations of, of star wars but i'd certainly be interested if it was um you know if it was uh, characters i was probably a little bit familiar with but wanted to know a lot more about if you see what i mean oh now i i yeah and i 
I totally understand that. Um, and I think it's valid. I definitely think it's valid. I mean, you know, with, you know, I guess if you compare it to J.J. Abrams, you know, even though The Last Jedi might prove to be a better film than The Force Awakens, I think J.J. Abrams was a much more experienced director going into you mm. know, Star Wars than, yeah. than Ryan Johnson. Yeah, that's undeniable. I think, and I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how he spells his name either. It's not how you spell Ryan or however you pronounce it. <laughs> R- yeah, R I A N, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I should know. <laughs> okay, so on the same topic, so uh, along with that that same announcement, um, I, I believe it was that same day they announced that um, you know Disney Disney's creating their own uh, streaming service. That is going mm-hmm. to debut in 2019. It's going to start in 2018 with an ESPN streaming app, but uh, um, the the big one comes in 2019, and the, and the 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 main headliner is going to be a live action TV steer, series um, on Star Wars. So I I I have very mixed feelings about this. Um, so Ryan, why don't you go ahead and tell me what you think about this news announcement? Um. Again, I don't know. I, I worry in the direction that Star Wars is going in. Um, same, it's, same. It's 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 a uh, yeah. it's it's just it's it's becoming uh, a money machine, isn't it? And that's and that's the thing. And and even though George Lucas made so much money off of Star Wars, and fine, he put the Ewoks in all that stuff. If that's what they say it is that to make money, that's fine. But those films, and even the first, even the first re, uh, the pre, the the prequels, you can see that he wanted still to try and create something unique and brilliant, and and that for me feels like that is at the forefront before making money. That the money is always kind of like a a byproduct of what Star Wars is, and just became kind of just a money making machine. But now I feel like Disney has, has taken that to the next level, where it seems like the money making part is more important than the creating the good films bit. And that's my worry. And like I say, it hasn't started off well for me. But if I can only base on The Last Jedi, I think we're all just waiting for The Last Jedi because it could just blow us all away. And then we'll be like, right, Disney are actually on the right track. They do know what they're doing. The Force Awakens was just the setup thing that everyone said it is and all that stuff. And now this is going to be unbelievable. And the next thing you know is we might all be looking forward to this TV series. But it's moment in time. I, I, I just can't get excited for it. I have to see. I've waited to see The Last Jedi. Yeah, and, and I, I'm going to piggyback on just what you said because I completely agree. Um, more so than the films because the films, I think, is where the heart of Star Wars lies. The fact that they're going to do a TV show on Star Wars is something that I am not excited about. I And this is different than what they've done with the animated uh, TV shows in uh, Clone Wars and Rebels now. The, yeah, those, shows, those shows are first and foremost meant for, for kids, and kids are, are the main audience for those shows. And even though they are for kids, they, they are quality TV shows, but... Those those aren't generated to make money. It it is a way to 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 continue the Star Wars story in a different format and in a different platform. Mm-hmm. This yeah. this is nothing but a draw to attract new subscribers to to their new streaming service. This this is you know when you have millions upon millions of people already with an, with an established uh, um, online streaming service like Netflix. How do you draw people away from them? Oh, you you make a Star Wars TV show, you know. So yep. so that that is that is where my biggest concern is is that 
You know, I, I think a lot of people are already concerned that Star Wars is becoming watered down with how frequent we are getting Star Wars movies. And I think there is some legitimacy to that. But the fact that they're going to do a Star Wars TV show, I, I don't I'm not excited about it. I honestly am not. That That's my honest opinion. Simon, what do you think? Um, well, for me, I see sort of I see two scenarios. I see, you know, again, echoing what Roy started off with. I see George Lucas. I see. A, a genius if you like yes he's got he's had his flaws changing it over the years adding cgi things in etc etc forget all that he created it he can do what he likes with it from that point of view right or wrong i see him i see his vision i see some of the stuff some of the best stuff we've ever seen on screen the most iconic maybe not character as a whole but the most iconic cinematic villain of all time in in darth vader he created all this so I see that, I see all that together, and then now I see a boardroom of Disney execs coming up with ways to um, evolve and replicate that and just make, make money. That's, that is where I stand on it, you know. And yeah. the problem is, the problem is, we'll all go and see it, won't we? We'll all go and see... The, the the Star Wars films. I'll I'll definitely be checking out um, Ryan Johnson's you know own trilogy, and I will I'm highly likely to see what this um, live action TV show is all about. So they know they can, don't they? They just know they can, and that's yes. it's a real bittersweet feeling. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, no, absolutely. And I think you said it perfectly because what you had in George Lucas, and I agree with you. He uh, it, for the way that I view George Lucas is that he is a storytelling genius. He, yeah, agreed. He, he is one of the greatest storytellers of of modern cinema, um, and what you have at Disney, they're not storytelling geniuses; they're business geniuses. They, these, mm-hmm. the the Disney execs and, and execs at Lucasfilm, they know how to create a product that people are going to pay for. And you know, just like Disneyland, I don't know if you guys have been to Disneyland or Disney World, but I mean, it, it is one of the most expensive. Um, <laughs> Uh, resorts or, or uh, theme parks that you can go to and but you pay for it you pay for it and you love it and even though you pay exorbitant amounts of money to go there it, it's all about nostalgia it's all about memories it's all about what you experience as a child growing up with these things and star wars is something that the three of us have grown up with and yes i, I even though i'm not excited about this tv show i will probably end up watching it still exactly yeah exactly but it's a sad thing it's a sad it's we're kind of going down a different route but it's like it's just sad that how much studios are getting involved like so it's like the execs are getting involved in the film process and i think that's something where like warner brothers for example i have to kind of be like defend them a little bit even though like with justice league now they're getting re-slated because you can see they've really had a hand in that whereas like they they actually did they did use to trust their directors like christopher nolan got given full round to do whatever he wanted with batman because they trusted him and then he'd sing and then and what they did with Zack snyder as well like he's he, he was trusted to, and and they are like the first two batman versus superman as much as they dabbled a little bit in that like man of steel they they did trust that, and it's sad now that it's. And I think it's something that Disney have breeded through the Marvel thing that it's like this. Com- this competition's been raised, and now the studios feel like they they have to get involved more because it's like there's there's this money that is possible, possibly able to be made now, and it has to be reached that way. And people like Zack Snyder, like Batman vs Superman, made like just under nine hundred million, which is like that's not 
that's not a flop back in the day. Ever since, if you took away all the Marvel films, that's that's still a pretty success. But now it's just the Marvel films are making so much money. The these the, the boardroom guys, they have they just feel like they have to get involved, and it's it's destroying it's destroying cinema. It's really sad. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I agree. I, I agree. I, you know, the the business of movie making, unfortunately, is what is that, you know it's at the forefront of what you know makes <laughs> makes movies possible. Um, especially, and that's what James Cameron's like the savior because everyone he's unbelievably amazing, and also he 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 also he prints money, so that's why I'm looking, <laughs> like he he does though, like and that's why I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what he does with Terminator and Avatar a little bit because he is still a visionary and there isn't a director that makes more money so he's kind of the like the golden egg at the moment if you will really yeah well uh, I guess since we're talking about printing money because I I believe Disney prints their own money as well uh, they it also came out the very beginning of the month and this was something that was kept under the table until talks were dead but Disney did seriously explore buying Fox uh 21st Century Fox Incorporated and that 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 includes uh 21st Century Fox's um ownership over over the X-Men uh I, I believe it's X-Men and uh, were there any other Marvel characters or was it just X-Men No Fantastic 4 as well Oh Fantastic yeah. 4 that's right that's right so yeah. so yeah Disney was in talks with 21st Century Fox about uh, purchasing that portion of their of their studio and that was very, very likely going to be coming under the Disney umbrella. Um, however, those talks died, and yeah, and, and for now, Disney does not own uh, 21st Century Fox Studios. But um, it, it it was pretty darn close. So, were you? Is that something? Uh, say say that happened. Let's just speculate for a second and uh, say that Disney was able to go through this, uh, go through with this transaction, um, and then all of a sudden, Marvel. Um, now Marvel Studios now has access to X Men and Fantastic Four. What, what do you guys think about that? <laughs> Andre, they have, they, have, um, they have a they own a lot. They own a lot more than you think. So, like the rules are is that with these characters owners, a lot of people may know is that they own any character. Twenty first Century Fox own any character yeah. that's introduced into these things. And yeah, Fantastic so- Four and X Men have had some of the most. Like characters introduced through their through their comics are like so me and my me and my one of my best mates Jake who's a massive comic fan we we went to go see Justice League together and we were talking about how that it's a massive shame that Marvel don't actually have Doctor Doom for example because he's like in the in the comics he's like Matt like humongous bad he's like the the big bad and he's yeah. ridiculously powerful and yet they can't use him he would be so much better than Thanos at this stage Thanos would probably be better for the next phase if Doctor Doom was there. But they can't because he's a fantastic. He was introduced into Fantastic Four as a Fantastic Four villain, and it's just like it's just such a shame because I would love to see Doctor Doom in the Marvel universe. Right. Like it would be unbelievable. So I was, I was honestly, I was I had my fingers crossed that, that would happen because they're not making any more Fantastic Four. Marvel stopped making anything Fantastic Four related, comic books and stuff now because of how bad the last film is. They've like gone on strike. They don't want to support what uh, 21st century fox are doing so they've actually stopped making the comics and stuff how mental is that yeah well, i i was completely unaware of that that but that sounds like a pretty smart boot a smart move by uh, marvel comics though absolutely yeah, it's, yeah definitely they're not there so they're, they've gone straight so that they're, they're not punching anything but guys how bad was the last film that's it was unbelievably bad i think yeah. we spoke about it on a <laughs> yeah. on our take four show but it's just yeah. insanely bad and 
I think I think with X Men it's not it's not as bad. I think they've 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 tried to treat X Men with some sort of respect. They've just got their wires crossed a little bit. But like it's oh, it's so mixed thing because I don't think we'd have ever have got Logan if Disney owned it. Yeah, so, like, yeah. We would never have got we'd never have got Deadpool if Disney owned it. Right, like, and that's yeah, that's that's the main the main thing that I wanted to ask you guys is that if Disney did own these you know these licenses and these names. Would Deadpool or Logan have ever happened? I don't think it would have. It yeah. might have happened as a Netflix show, maybe, but yeah. like that's just not the same, is it? It's, and that's the thing. Yeah. So it's, it's. I think there would be more good with the MCU having it, uh, Marvel Studios owning, um, owning that and be able to add or incorporate into the MCU because, like, um, the Fantastic Four are like a humongous, humongous part um, of of Marvel. They're, they're huge, but. I think, I think it. Yeah, I think it would have been a good thing, but I got. I, it's sad that it's not going to happen. What about you, Sai? Yeah, well, really, it was it was a kind of story that, like you say, how quickly it actually sort of came and went in the sense of um, it didn't become obvious until it was all the talks were almost you know done you know did, broken down, did it? So it was right. kind of like, oh wow, that that happened, and it was more. It was the thought, like like we like you guys have just said, it was the thought of what could have been rather than oh this is happening and you know it was that was more how it was. So for me, like again with with regard to sort of X Men and, and Fantastic Four, they in in touching back on something we mentioned before, watching the Spider Man cartoons as a kid, they were a massive part of that and it's obviously been splintered hasn't it gone into different studios and not been able to ever come together so again echoing that how awesome would it be to see them them big hitters together but it'd be unbelievable yeah it'd be unbelievable imagine seeing the guys galaxy now being introduced to the silver surfer for example (laughs) is an unbelievable character like 21st century fox owns some of marvel's greatest creations with it, within regards to the mutants, the mutant universe, like unbelievable. But um, there's so many great villains that they own, like say like Galactus, which they completely ruined. He's um, he's huge villain in um, in Marvel. It's just like it, it's such a shame that they own these incredible characters and, and yeah. Marvel can't use them because it, it they're the characters that could take Marvel to that next level, which I didn't think they could be, but they they are Wolverine, like if you say Silver Surfer, everyone. It's just but. It's not going to happen now, is it really? Yeah, and get get this though too. So <laughs> a part of the transaction would have been also some of the TV shows though that Fox owns, including uh, Modern Family, which not not a big deal, The Simpsons, um, and then also the Avatar franchise. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that, to be fair. You, you know, I... I even though talks are dead, as as this Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg article uh, has already um, made mention of, I, I, I don't think that it, it is out of the realm of possibility that they could strike up another conversation, even in the near future. So if, if you guys could have your way, though, would you make this transaction happen? Would you have Disney buy, the, buy 21st Century Fox? Um, I think what I would, would be a dream come true is if they did something like what Sony and Marvel have come up to, because I, I want to keep the Deadpool and I, and I, and I think 21st Century Fox might have be cluing on to maybe something a little bit unique in doing more adult related, um, superhero films, which is something that they should really concentrate on. And I think if they had maybe something like that, where the, their characters ca- could dabble across, 
but yeah 21st century flock still own it and do do the good stuff do you know what i mean like do the deadpool i think that would be what i would like personally yeah 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 no it's 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 pretty crazy you know disney disney kind of operates as you know just a lot the way that a lot of big corporations operate is that you know you, you buy <laughs> you buy your competition that's how that's how apple is operated and you know you buying up you know, uh, I, I just competitors that are going to help them continue their own brand, you know, and, and I think Disney has been very, very smart about, you know, going about their own business and how they've done it and buying Pixar Studios, then Marvel and now Lucasfilm. I mean, these are huge, huge brands now that now fall under the Disney umbrella. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, what do you what do you think? Would you do you do you want them to own uh, 20th Century Fox or or what's your views on that Andre I don't know it it, it I, I mean it, I think the one thing I would miss the most is that you know that intro logo that uh, 21st Century Fox does you know that's one of the things I've missed the most on on the new Star Wars films is not getting that 21st Century Fox you know theme with the drums and the trumpets going and things like yeah. that and uh, you know to see that I don't know if that would officially go away um but uh no it, i don't know I, I i don't think i've made my my own opinion on it quite yet in terms of what i would like to see happen but i don't know it'd be it'd be interesting for sure um okay simon why don't you uh why don't you lead us into our our, our next segment now that we're exiting uh disney and lucasfilm and things like that um and moving on to more warner brothers centered uh topics okay brilliant well i think um the next uh natural progression would be to talk about uh wonder woman 2 um and the sort of um couple of um little you know snippets that are surrounding that so obviously um it's been it's been delayed hasn't it to um right. was it from the it was to, to stop it clashing with star wars um episode, episode nine. 9 wasn't it yeah um so I think there's that and also that it was um, actually because there was a question on whether it was actually going to go ahead initially, wasn't there? Because of the whole we, we haven't really touched on this, but a lot of the um, the scandals that have been coming out of Hollywood and uh, Brett, Nat- Brett Ratner was one of the people uh, implicated in that. Yep. Um, and uh, Gal-, Gal Gadot was pretty um, strong on her stance that she may actually not return as Wonder Woman and uh, unless Ratner was removed completely. And uh, I think recently I've read this article on Variety um, and it was a quote from herself from an interview that said basically, um, just, sorry, I'm just trying to find the quote now. Uh, 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 sorry, bear with me. Uh, no, for everyone, everyone knew what, what was the right thing to do. Um, so at the end of the day, a lot has been written about my views, which I've, which I've just said, uh, and the way that I feel. And everyone knows the way I feel because I'm not hiding anything. But the truth is, so many people involved making this movie, it's not just me, and they all echoed the same sentiments. So she, she's, um, she's actually confirmed that he was removed and uh, that she wasn't alone in that. So it sounds like the, the project was under a serious threat, but as it stands, it's been confirmed to go ahead and it's been been pushed back away from clashing with star wars yeah yeah so it's uh, well it was actually uh moved forward just a month so yeah so because star wars episode Sorry, nine yeah. yeah yeah so star wars episode nine got its new director with uh jj abrams after um um oh gosh why am i blanking on his name who's who was going to direct episode nine 
Colin Trevorrow. Uh, oh, oh yeah, Colin Trevorrow. So he, yeah, after he was removed from the project, and then J.J. Abrams replaced him. You know that film was supposed to come out in May of 2019, and has now been pushed back to December 20th of 2019. And uh, so yeah, instead we'll get Wonder Woman in November. But I I have no complaints about getting a Wonder Woman two earlier. Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah, if that's if it even happens. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it seems like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe this is this is how we can uh, begin. Sure. I guess talking about uh, not we're not going to re- review the movie. Yet. You know, both Life of Films and Backseat Directors. We've already given our review on Justice League, but maybe we can talk about the financials um, and uh, the poor, poor performance of Justice League in the box office. Ryan, why don't you go ahead? Yeah. Okay. So. Um... Everyone will probably have read this already. To be honest, I would be surprised if this is news. But um, Justice League is sadly not not doing so great in the box office. Can generally in terms of what a major blockbuster would make. So so generally across the thing, it's it's still making it's still getting a lot of money, but it's it's in not in terms of how much the film costs. So just um just kind of looking looking through what's going on it's when it comes to stuff like this i um i kind of get a bit lost of all the numbers but um just going over it just kind of trying to go over everything and let me just i've kind of had i'm going to read this out but um so the headline of the article really was uh, justice league on track to lose warner brothers between 50 and 100 million dollars yep which is which is a lot of dough yeah, that's a yeah. lot of money. That's yeah. like one it, it, even being in the realm of making a loss is is insane and something that you don't really think about too much with with major films, especially films where you've got Superman and Batman in the lead. But um, but uh, yeah, generally 100 million is massive. So um, it's this comes from Forbes. Forbes predicts that Justice League will end up grossing 235 million domestically plus an international of 400 million. Leading to a total of six hundred thirty-five million, that number would make the movie the lowest-grossing DCEU film to date, beneath Man of Steel. However, the final estimate puts the number just above the production cost, three hundred million, and the marketing cost, one hundred and fifty million, put together, which equals five hundred and fifty million. So, how does that lead to fifty to one hundred million loss? Those numbers don't include many internal expenses, home marketing, paying off talent, Warner Brothers overheads, and many other factors, all leading to an estimate loss for the studio. So, there you go. So, literally saying that if you literally put in everything that Warner Brothers have put into this film, that's generally down to down to paying the actors and everything that they generally will be will be looking from a prediction from Forbes there that they will be looking at making. Making between fifty to two hundred million dollars in loss, which is insane for a film of the, of this magnitude. What do you guys think? No, this is incredibly disappointing uh, for me as as a DC and Justice League fan of the movie itself. Um, but just uh, just just for the overall direction of you know the DC EU movies, um, I, I guess to give to give people comparison, if you talk about, I guess if you compare to a more recent. A superhero movie that's come out also in November. If you look at Thor, Thor right now is about to eclipse eight hundred million dollars in the international um, or, or worldwide box office. Uh, in the U.S., it's made over two hundred seventy-seven million dollars. Overseas, it's made over five hundred eleven million dollars. Justice League will be will be lucky to even sniff seven hundred million dollars, and and we're talking we're talking 
the the culmination of all of these other DCEU movies with the you know the superheroes coming together you know when Avengers came out uh, when was that 2011 that that was a huge hit huge and and to this day it's it's one of Marvel's um, biggest grossing films of all time and mm-hmm. and to see Justice League completely fall on its face like this is it's it's very disappointing absolutely definitely definitely I think. Do you think that it's the Rotten Tomatoes score that's done this? Okay, do you, do you well, think it's I'm, the new- yeah, I'm glad you're asking this question because I actually just I'm I'm looking at IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes right now, and and I do think that Rotten Tomatoes does have an influence over you know how many people will ultimately go and see this movie. I, I don't think it's huge, but I, I I think there is no denying that it does have an influence. So currently, right now, Rotten Tomatoes has it's giving it a 41% approval rating. So the way Rotten Tomatoes works, if you just look at their scores, they're not necessarily scores. It's just it, it, they just ask the person who's reviewing the movie, did you like it or did you not like it? So only 41% of movie critics liked it. Um, however, though, that's out of 278 critics polled. Okay, two, 278. That's, that's a pretty small sample size, but very average for movies that get pulled on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, if you look at the audience score, which gave it an 82% approval rating and a 4.2 out of uh, 5 average, that is over 111,000 users who reviewed Justice League on Rotten Tomatoes. And then on IMDb, Justice League is trending at 7.3 out of 10 with over 109,000 reviews. And so uh, there are a lot of people who have liked this movie, a lot of people who have, you know, feel like they've definitely got their money's worth. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy how poor Justice League has done. I, I mean, the fact that it's going to be the lowest grossing DCEU movie is mind-blowing. That's mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's insane considering the fact that it's come back off the off the back of Wonder Woman, which did so well. Oh my gosh, yeah! And I thought that that I thought Wonder Woman was going to be the movie to carry Justice League into a successful box office run, but I I don't know. Like I I you know I I know Ryan. I know your own personal views on the movie. I know you your personal score. You gave it a two out of five, and and you had very good reasons for that. Um, I. I enjoyed the movie. I know it could have been much better, and it's not necessarily the movie that we were expecting when um, Zack Snyder was at the helm. Uh, what 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 do you guys want to see moving forward from Warner Brothers and from the DCEU? Obviously, they're they're still going to be making movies. I think they're hoping, you know, hoping that this was an anomaly with the movies that they already have scheduled. Aquaman's coming out next year, uh, followed by Shazam, and then Wonder Woman two. So what what do you want? What do you guys want to see moving forward, and what do you think will help with the DCEU? I think I can speak for me and Sai on this. Where what should happen is the Dark Knight returns, Christopher Nolan comes back, Christian Bale comes back, they sack off the DCEU, and they just <laughs> they they bring back the the fourth the fourth film that we've all been waiting for and Christopher Nolan <laughs> and Christian Bale just come and save the day and that is it and everyone will be happy and we'll all sleep well it'll be the highest grossing film ever and we'll just and that'll be it and it'll be back, back to normal and we'll pretend that we'll pretend that the DCU is just a bad dream what'd you say Sai? Amen. Oh gosh. No. You, you guys. <laughs> that is a pipe dream. Yeah dude you stole yeah I was just about to say those exact words man you guys are 
that that is that is one of the most far-fetched dreams that uh you guys could possibly conceive of but <laughs> still good didn't expect it though did you <laughs> <laughs> okay well okay well let, let me ask you this though so, on, on a more serious note though say christopher nolan say he's he he's gonna come back and direct um one of these dceu movies do you think do you think something that big could help you know the direction or course correction of the dceu so i don't well for a start it's 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 almost impossible to envisage isn't it you know um seeing someone a director like him work with films like this because it's just not his template is it but so that that's already difficult to get my head around. But if he did, I think first and foremost, it would prick people's ears up, wouldn't it? It'd be like, oh, geez, I didn't expect that. And then it'd be like it would definitely ignite a spark from an interest point of view and a potential point of view, um, whether or not you'd never know what the result would be you'd, you, on his track record. You've got to say it'd be very good wouldn't you so it's uh it's right. very difficult but i'd certainly think from a the things that you could expect um interest and potential quality you would you'd have to say they'd both both be um in in plus numbers wouldn't you mm. yeah no i agree um i think i think something like that could happen there are there are directors out there that sell films and and one thing i've always said about christopher nolan is that his trailers are rubbish his trailers for his <laughs> films are, are actually rubbish. There aren't that many that I actually like. I remember the, the Dark Knight trailers were, were, were pretty cool. But I remember like I remember actually like with Inception, I was like, Inception was the film for me that really solidified the how much I love Christopher Nolan. Because even then I was like, I wasn't too sure about it because the trailers were odd. But it's because he doesn't like to give stuff away. But it just goes to show, though, that like when it's just got Christopher Nolan on it now, it's just, it sells. Dunkirk's just done well. It just is, and I think that it, it would be the case as long as Christopher Nolan's name's put on there, then it's then it would it, w- it would have a positive effect. Whether it would save the DCEU, that's a different question, but it would certainly not be making a loss. That's for sure. Exactly. Yeah, you know, at this point, I'm not really sure what's gonna, you know, what oh, it's gonna put Warner Brothers and the DCEU back on track. I mean, outside of Wonder Woman two, which I think it's already gonna sell itself. I think that's gonna be a huge hit. I, I mean, you know. <laughs> outside of just the fans you know the the dc comic fans that want to see an aquaman movie or shazam movie etc and and i'm one of them i I definitely want to see those movies i just i just you know when you're going up against marvel and what they're doing and you know the fact that thor is about to make 800 million dollars do we i mean do they think aquaman is going to make you know even 700 maybe 600 million dollars i mean like you know what? What do you do? What do you do with these movies that I think there is a market for and and an audience for? But just you know, it's just I don't know. They were they had that they had a good thing going on. It's sad that they it's sad that the films didn't make as much money as Marvel, but they could have got there. They just needed uh, I, they they just needed to channel Zack Snyder a bit better. He had a good tone. He had good film. They had. They had a good tone. I know that they generally across the board they weren't thing, but they they were different to Marvel, and they had something there. They just needed to channel it better. 
there was something that that made them different to Marvel, and it was and I actually found it quite impressive because it's quite easy to go into that realm of of doing the the standard looking superhero films. Right. But they had right. something that was really special, and they just needed to channel it better. They didn't need to they throw Zack Snyder under the bus like they've done, and now they've got this petition like petition going out now for Zack yeah, Snyder's cut yeah. and all this stuff, which is mad. It's like. It just needed to channel it better because it it was different. It was it was good. It was more of a serious take, and it and it and it was enjoyable. They just they just lost their way. They've, I think they just got too greedy and trying to replicate what Marvel's got, and they just got themselves into a mess. When it's just the good one, of the great things is is like is that people like Marvel aren't aren't following anyone. Do you know what I mean? They're not looking at trying to beat anyone. They're sure they're trying to make money, but their main their main game really is just to do something that's successful. They're not trying to copy anyone. They're not trying to do anything. Right. And that's what they, that's what Warner Brothers should do. I always think the people that try and copy other people are always setting yourself up for failure because you're always going to be behind. If you're trying to copy someone, how are you ever going to beat those people or be on several if you're repeating what they're doing? You should always try and do your own thing, and that's what I thought they were doing. And then they just went into this realm of just trying to completely copy Marvel, and it's just goes onto pot now. No, well said. I, I I don't think you could have said it any better. And I think I think that is probably one of the most glaring issues that's going on with Warner Brothers and and just that you know they they it's like this sense of of inferiority almost like an inferiority complex against Marvel Studios and what Marvel has done. And yet you know Marvel's just doing what Marvel does. Warner Brothers just needs to do what Warner Brothers and DC Comics does, and you know and just do their own thing. And I I, I think I think you nailed it right on the head, Ryan. So yeah. Um, okay, Simon. So just uh, for time, uh, um, sp- uh, our time restraints. Um, why don't you go ahead and uh, lead us into the uh, just a final news segment and talking about Lord of the Rings TV show? Well, um, it's one another one that sort of came out of nowhere, didn't it? Really, um, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was it was it was quite incredible, really. So yeah, um, it's it's Amazon Prime. Um, have announced that um, I haven't actually got any source in front of me, Andre. So if you have, then please, please follow me up or, oh, or, yeah. or you yeah, no back me up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Amazon Prime um, announced that uh, Lord of the Rings was going to be made into a, a, t- a TV uh, series by them. And uh, am I right in thinking it was a prequel series? Well, it's not entirely um, announced yet on the direction of, right. you know, of if, if it's going to be pre uh you know pre the hobbit or post you know lord of the rings and you know the, mm-hmm. i guess the the return of the king and things like that but uh it it is it is set in middle earth so that's that's what uh, that's what we know it, it says that's so, what we've got yeah, it yeah. Says, <laughs> amazon's lord of the Rings series will be set in middle earth and explore new storylines um oh oh okay my apologies no no no, no. i should have read the entire your article um <laughs> you you're right simon so it says and explore new storylines preceding tolkien's the fellowship of the ring um, right okay. yeah no that's really interesting yeah well, i've got the, the and if they do it what i have envisioned them to do it would be amazing i think i might have said this to Andre over twitter is the is they need to do get a young Aragon in because they easily can do that now and people accept that and do a story of how he was when he was the ranger under the name of, of Strider and yeah. kind of how he kind of toured Middle Earth and how he learned like like how he's fighting all like the Nazgul and stuff because he knew how to beat them when he saves Frodo after Frodo gets um, stabbed in the Fellowship of the Ring yeah. and kind of have this kind of like Hercules vibe where he's kind of like 
going around people kind of know who he is do you know what i mean they kind of like oh that's you know what i mean like uh he's a bit of a kind of a legend and people kind of know who he is but don't know who he is and he's you know what i mean and he's trying not to accept it but yet he's obviously a hero which you see in the things and he it would be really really cool honestly i would love that I'd, i would sign up to amazon prime if they if they did a backstory on aragon it would be untrue yeah i i think you know if we're going to compare you know having a live action star wars tv show versus a lord of the rings tv show i am much more excited for a lord of the rings live action tv show i think there is a lot of good that they can do here and plus you know the the uh, i i don't know i think i think with you know with what we have in terms of content from the lord of the rings obviously you have all the books that you know tolkien has written and then you have the Hobbit films and the Lord of the Rings films. I, I don't I don't feel saturated with content the way that I do with Star Wars and Lucasfilm. I think there is a big market for this, and I and I hope it is successful. I really do. Yeah, definitely. Well, if Game like Game of Thrones is as big as it is, and don't get me wrong, I know that the books are supposed to be amazing. I've read them myself, but it's it's Lord of the Rings. So if they could do it to the standard of Game of Thrones, there's no reason why a show like that shouldn't be on the same level, really, because Lord of the Rings is one of the most legendary books has ever um, ever been wrote so it's just there's no reason why it shouldn't be um up there with with the game of thrones but it's 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 a it depends if it's if it's executed correctly which is usually um half if not most of the battle really isn't it yeah sai what about you you, you excited about this well my i i'm a massive fan of the lord of lord of the rings trilogy i wasn't as sold on the hobbit um it wasn't really for me i thought a lot of a lot of the time not much happened in in the films and it was a bit yeah a bit bit watered down if you're a bit diluted is that fair um, oh well yeah i mean because i mean if you if you think about it, a trilogy was made from three books in lord of the rings each book getting its own movie and then yeah. they take the hobbit which is the shortest of the tolkien books and make three movies out of one it, little book. <laughs> talking of talking of spinning money, uh, yeah, on, yeah, on the subject sort of thing. But yeah, leaving that to one side. Depending on what they do with it, like Roy said, it's got it's got great potential. It's got um, a lot of. I mean, the size of the universe, the size of Middle Earth, the size of the character base. Bring it on! You know, it's it, yeah. it should it should be great. I was initially a bit like I had a, um, a sort of moment where I thought. Well, if it's prequel to to um, the Lord of the Rings um, things, the uh, films, then we've already seen, we've already had the Hobbit. Do you see what I mean? But then I thought, hang on a minute, it's a big, it's a big old character base. So let's let's see what see what happens. I'm I'm up for it. Yeah, me too. I, I'm definitely excited about this. Um, okay, gentlemen, uh, that that is uh, our our portion of big movie news. I guess before we move on to our last segment, is there anything else you guys want to add? No, no, as long as long as they as long as they keep Orlando Bloom away from Lord of the Rings TV <laughs> series, then I'll be happy. Yeah, no, no way, man, no way. I, give give me more Legolas. <laughs> he looked. Oh, he, was, he looked. He looked older than he did. In, no matter how much they photoshopped his face and brushed him up, he still looked so much older in the Hobbit films. I know. I, well, because it was done like 10 years later. <laughs> and Andre, you slated the Rogue One CGI, so you shouldn't be on board for that. No way. I'm not having that. <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That. I'm just kidding. I, you know, I, I know. Yeah. I, I know. I, yeah. Um, I'm, yeah, it's just, I, I'm excited. That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> okay, Great. gentlemen, that was some good conversation. Let's go ahead and move on to our last segment. And that is our movie score of the month. Woo-hoo. 
Movie score of the month. Okay, Ryan, it's all you, man. Cool. So this month is um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's been a lot of discussion around um, scores this month with Justice League. Indeed, um, <laughs> it's I would say, and I think a lot more than usual because I don't think I've, I don't think people really talk about film scores that much. But this is definitely something that a lot of people are talking about with Danny Elfman coming in to um, to replace um, Hans Zimmer for the Justice League. Well, not replace Hans Zimmer because Hans Zimmer was never going to do it, but Hans Zimmer was the man who's done the uh, Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman, which is essentially the two films leading up to um, the Justice League, really. And, um, and yeah, Danny Elfman took over, and there's been a lot of conversation about that. I personally wasn't a fan of it, so I will not be recommending Danny Elfman for our um, score slash composer of the month. But, Andre, I know you want to kind of just... Give a give you kind of um, view on on that score. Yeah, and, and again, just like your reasons on you know why you gave the movie itself a two out of five, I think are legitimate, and uh, you know your gripes with the soundtrack uh, for Justice League are also legitimate. Um, I I I <laughs> just. Dude, I've listened to this soundtrack probably 20 times already. I've listened to it over and over, and I have really, really enjoyed it. I think its strengths uh, have overcome its weaknesses. And for the movie that we got, which is more of a Josh, we- a Joss Whedon movie than uh, than a Zack Snyder film, um, I think the Danny Elfman score fits in very nicely. Um, yes, there are some huge issues i think that um could have been easily corrected in in you know the characters that we saw in the movie and specific themes that were lacking um specifically uh, uh you know we did get the wonder woman theme however it was very different than um you know what um hans zimmer had done in like batman v superman and even what um what uh Oh, why am I always blanking on his name? The guy that did the Wonder Rupert Woman. Gregson. Yeah, Ru- uh, Rupert Gregson Williams did in uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, it, it's not you, you're not going to hear the kind of electric guitar sounds that you would normally hear in those other films, which I love and I and I think should always always be the sound for Wonder Woman. You get the theme. It sounds you know it's the same it's the same notes, the same tunes, but it's it's all you know instrumental. Um, yeah, it's a lot more orchestral, isn't it? Yes, yes, and I think I think I think it still sounds it sounds nice, and I think in in certain moments of the movie it could have worked well, but when she is fighting and she's in her element, gosh, you better hear that original Hans Zimmer theme, and so I was disappointed in that. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, all, all I gotta say is you know. Uh, themes that we heard from man of steel that we were hoping to hear in this one are totally absent from the movie which i think is probably the biggest disappointment but my highlights of the justice league soundtrack are i and i know ryan you don't like this but i love absolutely love that they brought back the original danny elfman score of batman and incorporated that into the movie i thought it fit very well but the one that i liked the most was the theme that you got for flash so Flash kind of has his own theme, and you can hear it in uh, track 15 of Spark of Flash, uh, a Spark of the Flash, and also in uh, track 16 with Friends and Foes. Um, I I just I thought it fit very nicely for his scenes and for his character, and it's something that I'd hope to you know continue to hear in subsequent movies that have the Flash. So, um, but yeah, no. So Ryan, this is your segment. Go ahead and you get your choice for movie score of the month. 
Yeah, that's fair. That's fair enough, Andre. I hear what you say in regards to the score, and and just to clarify, not I don't like. It's not that I don't like the old Batman theme, the uh, nineteen eighty nine one. It is really good and really fitting. Obviously, it's used for the cartoon, so I think a lot of people feel that I don't like that. It's not. It's just um, I like things. I like continuity, and I love Hans Zimmer's score more than, more as well. So it's just a shame that that was incorporated more. I don't agree that the whole Zimmer f- uh, theme should have been used. I just feel like it's a sad that. A lot of it was really put to one side, but right. that's for a different conversation another day. So <laughs> yeah. the composer, the composer that we're going, uh, that I'm going to pick today, um, which why have we supposed he's got such funky names? Um, so <laughs> um, it's actually a composer called, and correct me um, on my pronunciation here because I'm awful, but um, I'm going to go with it's Mark Mothersbaugh. Is that who? Is that we're going for? I, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought. Uh, who did the uh, Thor Ragnarok score, and it's it's really good. It's re- it's really really good. Um, again, I say I probably speak for Sai on this front in the sense that we're both big fans of of synth um, Sai a little bit more in regards to eighties vibe and stuff than myself. But I love I love synth. I love bands that always dabble uh, with that, and this this uses it in in full force. It's really really good, um, and. And what I like about it as well, which Danny Elfman is, um, is what was lacking for me, is there's con- there's continuity in it. He um, he hasn't thrown away the, the previous themes from uh, from the previous films. He's he's carried them through, uh, but but built on it and say turned stuff into Symphony and and really done well. So some of the some of my favourite tracks are actually some of the ones coming towards the end of the film. Um, is is one that's called that's actually not played in the film itself which is really weird but it's on the score called grandmaster's jam session which is really really cool so anyone downloading the score check that out because it's so funky but in regards to the tracks that are actually um within the picture itself um planet saka is is really good that's prop got some proper funk um but my favorite one on the on the album itself is the track called where to which combines the, the um the Asgardian theme along with the new theme that uh, Mark has created in this and it combines it really well and when it really when it really builds and hits its climax in that track and you hear the, the theme that's run through the whole of the Thor trilogy it's like it really gives you it gives you goosebumps because it's, it's a brilliant theme so so yeah so I'm I was really impressed with that and for me that's that is the the score of the month yeah, no, and I think that's great stuff, Ryan. And so, just just a, a little uh, bit of history though on on Mark Mothersbaugh. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the 2009 movie Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Um, yeah, but, I have seen but that yeah. that movie score is fantastic, and he did that one. So I and you know Thank he you. really doesn't have too many scores to his name. Uh, to no, uh, at the, least uh, yeah, at least movie scores, Street. right? Yeah. Right, but um, you know for as as much flack as the Marvel movies receive on having very lackluster and and unoriginal movie scores, I think Thor Ragnarok stands at the top. Uh, and Thor, e- the, the whole Thor trilogy, anyone to check it out, even the Dark World that was done by Brian Taylor, who what who yeah. we haven't come across yet, is one of my favorite composers. That's also a brilliant uh, um, score to check out because that's also got some really good 
music in the Thor trilogy itself is probably where Marvel have its strongest points in regards to actual core themes for a character. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's a worthy choice, worthy choice. And so, yes, our movie score of the month is going to be from Thor Ragnarok. Okay, gentlemen, that is our uh, that is our What's Hot episode for the month of November. Thank you so much for joining me. Why don't you go ahead and give your guys' plug on uh, how our listeners can uh, reach out to Life of Films and follow you on social media and read your guys' uh, posts on movies. Cool. So, yeah, um, we're from lifeoffilms.com. Simple as that. We're a couple of movie bloggers that uh, blog on that site. So if you want to read our stuff or get in contact with us, um, everything goes through that site, really. So, yes, that's lifeoffilms.com. And I'll pass it over to sides to kind of talk about our social side. Yeah, um, as as per every month, really, very active. Um, we, we sort of uh, manage it daily. Loads of discussion, good and bad debate. It's all good fun. Um, and again, we're just constantly welcoming new and current uh, people to come and get involved. So yeah, it's uh, on at Twitter. At, that is on Twitter. Sorry, did I not mention that? <laughs> no. Oh, people are listening. They, should, they, they know. They know. Um, <laughs> they do know. <laughs> so yeah, on, on Twitter that is, and our our, um, our username for that is at life underscore of underscore films. So yeah, come along, get involved. Well, Ryan and Simon, thank you so much for joining me again today. And listeners, thank you for joining us and listening to this, uh, well, I was about to say movie review. No, it's our episode of What's Hot from the month of November. Um, so, yeah, so uh, make sure to su- uh, subscribe and stay up to, the, uh, up to date with the Backseat Directors podcast. You can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and any other podcast outlet that you might subscribe to. And uh, on behalf of Ryan and Simon and Life of Films, this is Andre with Backseat Directors signing out, and we'll see you guys next week at the movies. The Backseat Directors theme song is Let's Go to the Movies by Ozo Motley. You can find the album, Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids, and all of their other music on iTunes. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The BD Podcast. So find your seat in the perfect row. Sit back, relax, kick up your feet, and turn off your phone.